0: Hello. Hello.
1: Hello. (laughs) We did it.
0: I finally managed to make it work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're recording right now. (laughs) Magical. Awesome. So um, we'll just get straight
0: into it, hey? Sounds good.
1: Okay, cool. So I would like to introduce you all, Fiona Cosgrove, (laughs) my good friend (laughs) and fellow horse trainer. Um, She is based here in New Zealand, out of do we say Fakatani, fee or is that we do? Yeah, based in Fakatani, and she um, trains horses. And so you you start horses and work with problem horses. Yes. Yep. Cool. So and Fiona and I met, oh, it must be three years ago, two or three years ago now, at a clinic of mine uh, that was in a little town called Ahopi. And um, we just really hit it off. So even since then we've been good friends and um, a sounding board for each other for all of our theories and ideas and questions around horses and training. And life. <laughs> yes.
0: Basically all the world's problems as well.
1: Exactly. <laughs> we have to have friends like that. Yep. <laughs> so thank you for coming on here tonight and kicking off our very first proper podcast, which is quite scary. Um, but I'm sure that as we get going things will smoothen out. <laughs>
0: I'm super excited. Thank you very much for having me.
1: My pleasure. So I thought we'd get started by talking about where your love of horses all started from.
0: That's that's a good question. I think I I was born with some kind of horse gene, actually, because Mm -hmm. neither of my parents were horsey at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember... Being that little kid that every time I saw a horse, I would just go completely bananas. I drew pictures of horses. I cut pictures out of horses. I wrote stories about horses. I (laughs) pretended I was a horse. I used to canter around everywhere. Like, I just, yeah, that's where it all began. And I nagged my mother, my sister and I, because she had the horse gene too. So we nagged and nagged and nagged our non-horsey mum until she finally... Um, got us ponies so we had to sell fee showers on the side of the road to help with the
1: costs
0: (laughs) yeah it all started from there
1: what age were you when you finally managed to talk
0: her into it I was 12 it was a late start um Mm -hmm. yeah and she bought me like I'm forever grateful but a fairly difficult pony <laughs> because <laughs> because we were like not a horsey family and you tend to get into um, a little bit of strife trying to find the right pony but I was determined to make it work so I fell off lots of times and got a bit scared and a bit hurt but in the end I learned lots and it was it was a great start I was very blessed yeah.
1: That's awesome. What do you think it was that made you get back on? Was there a person there that was sort of guiding you through that? Or do you think that was just kind of like an innate thing that was part of you to keep on going and keep on trying rather than, you know, some people would be really put off by something like that?
0: Yeah, I I do think it's kind of something you just – it's just part of who you are. My sister and I were very different. She um never found it easy if she got a fright to kind of get back on or be the confident one. Whereas I was always just thinking, well, I need to learn to ride better so that next time <laughs> my pony does that, I'm not gonna fall off. So I'd just get back on, you don't really think about it. It was kind of how I was. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> very cool. Same though, yes. Yep, I was the same. Um, I don't think, I mean, we had great riding instructors when we were growing up, um, but I don't think like I wasn't ever forced to get back on again or like, you know, the um, being made to hop back on after you fall off again. I can't ever recall having anyone do that to me but yeah I guess just like you it was kind of like this thing like well I have to if I want to do this then I've got to get back on yes pretty much
0: (laughs) yeah you can't don't kind of don't even question it somebody told me once that to be a good rider you have to fall off a hundred times so Mm. I used to count down (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking it's just one fall off closer to being (laughs) told <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think you've reached your hundred, or are you still going? Oh, I'm
0: way past. Way <laughs> <laughs> Used to play, a game <laughs> where we'd fall off on purpose, so we'd do like seven or eight a day. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you're basically marked
0: on now. I pretty much am. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So
1: that's neat. So where did that, um, kind of lead you, um, thereafter and what sort of led you on to doing what you're doing now?
0: Well, I pretty much, we just were muck around in the paddock kind of kids. Um, I didn't get any lessons, um, for a really long time. Um, we used to just go down the beach and canter around really. Um, and, but I always wanted to jump. I was really, really excited about that. So we'd build things in the paddock that were extremely dodgy and mm-hmm. jump them. I don't really know how it happened, but some of the kids um, that we kind of hung out with asked me to help them. So oh. I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was trying to teach other people how to ride. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was bossy right from the start. I think. Um, <laughs> and then got into a little bit of jumping, and I started working for a a lady and her husband, and he used to ride at the Olympics. His name was Colin McIntosh, and um, I worked for yeah. him. In the so that was my big step up into actually learning a little bit about how it works and what people mm. did with their knew what they were doing um there was a lot of stuff that didn't really sit very well with me um I didn't Mm -hmm. like I've never been one that likes to force a horse to do anything and there you know a lot of those old school methods were a little bit barbaric and Mm -hmm. I remember even back then not thinking that that was something I wanted to do and then I had a baby and you know took a little bit of time off I yep. didn't have horses in my life for quite a long time and then found myself really sad and talking to my best mate and she said, well, if you could have anything you wished for, what would it be? And I said, I want to mm. ride and get paid for it. And the next day, pretty much the next day, it might have been a couple of days, but I think it was the next day, I met the huntsman for the East Bay Hunt Club and got a job grooming for him. And the rest wow. of <laughs>
1: It's kind of amazing, isn't it, when you sort of make a decision in your mind how everything sort
0: of starts to just fall into place as it should. Absolutely. Mm. absolutely. That's exactly what it was. I I was ready, and so it happened. And, Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, so I rode for him, and then I rode for somebody else, a show jumping guy um training his horses and well mostly I was just riding them out and stuff and then I came across the equine love of my life which is a gray big gray horse called brig who Mm. I didn't have the skills to deal with and so I had to learn lots and he was really Mm. of my training like properly learning how to train horses
1: Mm. (laughs) I was going to ask you next. Was there a horse that impacted your life in a big way? So it sounds like
0: he was—he was that horse. He still is that horse. I—I I, he is my teacher and probably will be until the day he dies, or probably p- past that, because he's still the most—the most interesting horse I've ever met by miles. Mm, tell us about him. So. Actually, he belonged to the guy that I was riding for, so he bred bred him. He's very well-bred, warm blood, thoroughbred, and he just didn't fit into the usual mould of how people start their horses. So, Mm. you know, uh, the guy that I worked for has definitely got some skills, but he, you know, would kind of do things like tie up his leg and just have him go around in circles to try and kind of tire him out enough so that he would put up with everything and this particular horse will never put up with you. He Mm -hmm. he won't do it. You can do whatever you like, but he won't he won't just give in and become, you know, have that sort of learned helplessness that some horses will will do. So he was just tough as guts. And um has a really big buck. He learned to buck pretty early on and got very, very good at it. So pretty much it ended up no one could really sit on him. He went away to Mm. a few people to be re-broken, you know, and it Mm -hmm. ended up actually making him more messed up in the head um, because even the really great writers couldn't stay on. They tried to, like, hobble him to ride him and Mm. all sorts of things. It's quite interesting, too, isn't it the um
1: i've I've noticed with quite a few horses that I've worked with that display those sort of unwanted behaviors like fear fear type behaviors like a um a buck or a rear or kicking or biting, and it almost gets to a point where the horse no longer uh shows fear with it because it's become such a taut habit that it's just it would be. It would be no different to asking the horse to jump a jump or um, or, or do a canter departure. like It's just a, a thing that they've learned very well.
0: Yes, and the scariest thing about him really was that in the beginning, he didn't show – well, it's very hard to say because I'm, I'm not the same person that I was then, so I've got the eyes to see now, but he didn't show me any – symptoms that I could read that he was going to buck so one minute we'd be walking along and the next minute I'd be on the ground and yeah so it it was really frightening I was very afraid of him (laughs) and (laughs) I remember I used to spend oh half an hour at least standing on the mounting block next to him just breathing Mm. and rubbing him and trying hmm. to get up the courage to sit on his back, which is something I would certainly not do now. Like, he was not ready. Um, yeah. And the thing was is that the where everybody was at with that particular horse is that they just wanted to put him in a hole. You know, he was dangerous. Um, nobody was ever going to be able to ride him. And I begged with my boss, hmm. please, 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 can you just let me try? Please let me try. And he was so, oh, he didn't want to because he thought I was going to kill myself. He, he was so dangerous. He's like, I don't want you to hurt yourself, Fee. And I said, look, I'm not going to get on until I'm sure that I'll be all right, which was actually a lie because I did get on before I thought I was all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, was happy, like, he still is can be very feral if he hasn't seen me in a few weeks. He's that kind of yeah. horse that needs you every day, has to have that trust in that relationship. Um, Mm. we've still got our little routine that we go through so I can help him with his tension but Bucking is so much further down now on his list of things to do that I'm pretty confident these days that I'd see it coming so I can help him before it happens
1: What are your signs now uh, that you can tell that um he may he may head down that path of getting the
0: bucking if you don't help him through it well it's so interesting because now it's shouting out it shouts out to me it's like he's Mm. screaming at me and before I probably would never have seen it but just those things like less blinking the ears aren't moving tightness in the mouth tightness everywhere like he just gets really still um Mm. He holds his breath, and I just do stuff on the ground to like help him move his ribcage, lots of little circles, and you know, um, wait yep. for him to breathe, all of that stuff, wait for him to blink, wait for him to look towards me, don't crowd his space so that, so that he feels like he needs to move away, all of that stuff. And even ridden, you know, he'll get a little bit stiff and a bit sticky, and I think, okay, he needs me to loosen him up a bit, he needs to free up that rib cage again and just realize that I'm here, you know and he's not here yeah. by that's where they get to they think they're all alone and you're not helping the problem so you've got to make it so they look to you for the answer eh mm-hmm. that's awesome
1: and so what was the catalyst for um sort of heading down a different path of training with him
0: well i think for me the stupidest thing in the world is to carry on doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Like that's, Mm -hmm. to me, so dumb. And so I didn't want to do what had been done before. All of those other ways had been tried before with him. And I could see that he wasn't this arrogant (laughs) asshole of a horse, which was what people called him. He was just really afraid. So that's what started me. That was the catalyst for me is that I thought, there's a nice horse in there, and I want to see him. You know. Mm, yeah. And so, what? Where did you
1: go to from there? Did you have somebody that you knew of? Did you search
0: online? What was your starting point? Well, again, it's almost a bit serendipitous. I I went with a friend of mine to watch this guy working with a horse, and there was a few of us going and I'd never met him before and went up to his place and Mm. his name's Phil Mason. He's an amazing horseman. And I sat on the edge of his round pen and watched this man do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) nothing. And he said to me, oh, you're going to get bored. It's not exciting. But I was absolutely enthralled because the horse was really responding To what I thought at that stage looked like he was doing nothing. And I said, I just was like, I've got this horse and I don't know what to do. Would you help me? And he said, yes. And that was all, that's where it all began. Awesome. How cool. I was so lucky
1: it's really interesting isn't it it made me laugh like <laughs> when you said about um doing nothing and I think so often people that are new to this would look at um somebody out working with a horse and think like geez like am I to not anything?
0: Anything? yeah to do anything? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's to be galloping and bucking and stuff, you know, like uh, yeah, yeah,,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think it's quite hard to um, even for somebody who is genuinely interested in in learning as well until they've seen the process of it from almost start to finish. Um, only then do they sort of start to learn to have faith in that process of uh, what seems like not doing a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, for me, so like such a huge chunk of miscommunication is because people don't wait long enough to let the horse think. Yes. Just um, mull it over. And if you can't, if you don't know what those signals are, And you don't, then you're never going to have that timing. And it's so subtle. And the more I learn, and I'm sure it's the same for you, the more horses I do and the more I learn, the more subtle I see that it is. Yeah. The best horseman in the world can see the tiniest cues of a horse saying Mm. to them and they pick up on it. And that's, that's the lifelong journey for me is to be able to see smaller and smaller cues and look like I'm doing less and less because that's the key to it, eh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It totally is.
0: It's yeah. a pretty beautiful thing, isn't it? It's, it's it's amazing. I feel completely overwhelmed by it sometimes and completely blessed to be around horses. They are the best teachers and they're a great mirror for yourself. So to me problems I'm having with my horses is normally problems that I have in myself and mm-hmm. it's a huge journey f- for everybody. Like the more you get into it and it sounds so airy fairy, but it's the absolute truth. Yep, totally. And I think that
1: can be quite a um, scary thing to go there as well, because like you say it um, often, they will mirror the things that we are lacking in and so yes. that can be a really confronting thing for somebody to go into um and and allow themselves to to go there especially in front of other people as well
0: oh absolutely scary as but I mm. don't think like anything in life that's worth doing is hard <laughs> you know <laughs> you don't get better from doing stuff that's easy it's always going to be hard but I it's so hey, it's so worth it what do you think
1: your biggest lesson in yourself has been in the journey of
0: working with horses patience yeah patience for sure patience and ego <laughs> be- Yep. Even when you think you have no ego, sometimes you still do. <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's a never-ending journey. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to be completely through to the other side, but I'm going to spend my rest of my life trying to be, and I think that that's the key to it for me is that. You can't ever really get there, but you just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And the horses will tell you if you've got a bit of ego mm. or you're not being patient enough because you'll come to a brick wall and they'll say no. And mm. you go inside feeling totally bummed out <laughs> and think, <laughs> ah, I made no progress. But normally <laughs> I look back on it and I think, man, I was just too busy thinking about what I was going to do for the shopping list or how – you know, whatever, all the stupid things that you're thinking about that you shouldn't be thinking about because it's all should be in the moment and about that horse.
1: Totally. Do you know what I, I was thinking about when you were saying about um having ego sometimes and it's quite there's one really interesting thing for me is that um only in the last couple of years I've started using um treats. And before then, it was so drilled into us that, like, we weren't to use treats in our training. And so um, it was only because of a horse, Poe, that um, you know of, that sort of led me to learning properly about clicker training. But still now, there's this little part of me that's been drilled into me to not give treats and say I might be working with a horse. And I know inside me that I think, gee, this horse could do with um some clicker training as motivation to to help us find that sweet spot and but then there's this little part of me that's like stubborn and is like no we don't have to you (laughs) we can do this without (laughs) (laughs) dreams yeah and then I think oh Ellie this is ego speaking
0: right now you need to drop that (laughs) absolutely but the best bit is that you see it totally that's the key we all have to fight that all the time but it's the it's when you people who never see that and you know refuse to let go of the ego ever I mean that to me is Mm -hmm. just a little bit sad because they're missing out on a lot but same here here with the treats I have to tell you I was not a big fan of treats um Mm -hmm. until I used them on brig Uh so that same loss and because I'd got you know, probably 70% of the way there, but he still had a lot of negative association with being asked to do like any kind of pressure. We'd have to work Mm. through that little bit of negative and you could watch him, his mind going to that negative space. And then he'd get over it after a few goes and be a little bit positive again. But he never was, it was always just a little bit robotic and he never was really asking me like what now? No excitement. And then I did mm. a food reward, and had this cute as little. He looked like a Connemara. His face was like, <laughs> "Yay! I'm so happy!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I should have done that ages ago.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? It's great for horses have, that have had the try take out taken out of them. Yes, yes. It's like
0: giving them that breakthrough. And interestingly. I have a horse right now. I just worked with her today who was started in a pretty rough fashion and her go-to move was to be really defensive. Um, she was quite a gnarly mare in the fact of like her ears back a lot and she kicked out a few times and sort of thought about biting a few times. And then the I've always thought a horse that's because she's quite confident too and a bit bolshy. And I thought, you don't food reward horses like that because they'll be pushing all over you and all of that stuff. But she's proven to me yet again that all of that gnarly behaviour, all of that negative stuff was just defence. Yeah. She was just defending herself. And I've now got about 80% of the time, we're not over it completely, but a horse that's looking to me and going, now what? What would you like? Mm. And it's such an amazing thing. That is fantastic. And was there a
1: specific, um, with using the food reward, do you start off like with um, traditional clicker training, with like loading the clicker first and teaching maybe targeting or um, do you add it in through just um, using it alongside your pressure and release or how do you go about introducing
0: it? Yeah, mine is a bit different, and the reason why mine is different is because I use a click for different reasons. So a click is always a backup cue for me to go forward, and it comes to me so naturally that I found it really difficult because the horses were getting really confused for me. Mm -hmm. My own little way of doing it is I always say good girl or good boy so instead of clicking that's what I do that's the only difference Mm -hmm. and I don't load the click as you as you do with clicker training I tend Mm -hmm. to just use a lateral flexion because often horses that are a little bit worried find when you stand next to them and teach them lateral flexion you it's quite hard to get them to be with you in that moment they want to snatch their head back Mm -hmm. or they want to not do a nice soft ask so I find using food reward and doing lateral flexion for a start is kind of putting them in a really vulnerable position and giving them a really good thing that happens every time they do it, and it just mm-hmm. really cements it in their head um, very quickly. So that works for me. Um, there's probably some scientific evidence that proves that I'm wrong, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but that's one plan. that I'm Those sticking with people yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) totally it's actually interesting because I I've got a really high fear um based horse in at the moment and um I've been doing exactly that as well um asking him for what I found was he I the first time I asked for lateral flexion he he gave the mechanical answer um yeah his eyes were looking to the outside he was heavy in my hand and so same thing I just added in um, the I I use a click because that's what comes to me (laughs) real naturally Um, and treating him and within moments I had a soft um, mentally present horse and it was
0: just so lovely yeah and for me lateral flexion is such a foundational movement like it scares me the amount of horses that don't know how to do it um Mm -hmm. because it's it's to me if they can't do that I would not hop on like even a horse that's been ridden for 20 years I would not hop on its back if it didn't know how to laterally flex kindly and softly and present you know like that's so important so important Mm. Mount amount of horses I've ridden that tend to have, I don't think they've ever looked at the rider. You know what I mean? Yes, totally just blanked out the rider. Yep, switched off and their ears are forward and people are like, yay, look how happy that horse is. But they actually can't look back. Mm, Yeah. And that lateral flinch is what sorts that out.
1: Yes, because they all of a sudden, um, and I think there's almost like uh, they can get quite – it's almost like they go through uh, perhaps like a little bit worse before they get better um, because now they're like, oh, my gosh, there is there is something
0: back there. Absolutely, and I can't zone it out. Yep, you're yeah. totally right. That does happen. And you have to be um,
1: – that's where I guess you have to have faith to go through that process and know that, once you're out the other side of that and that they're totally accepting of you being there um is when you get the the calm horse that is that is going forward um but but knows that you're back there and is okay with that
0: yeah absolutely I, I had um a little colored horse here a wee while ago that I started and he was quite fearful in the beginning um naturally very sensitive and the type of horse that, you know, had a big panic button and liked to move his feet a lot when he got worried. So Mm. would have been a bolter in the wrong hands, you know, that type of horse. Um, Mm. And his lateral flexion was so good and he felt so happy there that we actually were riding around the farm and this giant piece of corrugated iron came flapping down the hill, like making so much noise, and he put himself in the lateral flexion. Wow! yeah he he was like help and I went yep I'm here buddy and he didn't even run like that was Hmm. his first thing to do was to look to me and I thought that's my job done that's exactly what I want
1: yeah that's fantastic it makes me think of um gosh I'll have to find the podcast and hopefully link it to this um oh gosh who was it with it was it was on succeeding through stressful times and they were talking about um with uh going down in a submarine and they were talking about before they even let people go down they practice and they practice and they practice of the whole the whole thing from all the noises how to push buttons um how to eat how you know all of the parts I don't know what they actually do when they're down there but they practice the whole process before they go and do it and so that made me think of that there you would practice and practice and practice that safety um procedure so that when you actually needed it you both could do the thing and um come out the other side
0: yeah and be safe Like That's what it's all about is safety, safety for the horse, safety for me. And I think especially when, you know, you've got jobs like ours where you ride a lot of really green horses and I, you know, ride out up the bush by myself. Um, So I have to know that, that my safety buttons are there and that that horse, when something goes wrong, that I've done everything I can in my power to do for that horse to feel safer with me than without me. And so if I'm helping, that that's actually helping the horse, not making it worse. So they need to look to me as the one who's the leader and the one who's, you know, the safety net. And so that's why lateral attention to me is oh, more important than so much stuff. It's more important than so Mm -hmm. much stuff because it'll keep you safe.
1: Yep. Yep. That's our number one <laughs> absolutely. So um, what are you doing? Tell us about like what you do today what what, um,
0: what is what is your job <laughs> <laughs> So today I have my own little business which I run from my house. I've got a little tiny weeny block. I've got three and a little bit acres. And at this stage, I have eight eight horses, it's scary, um, on my little block. And I start horses for people, I retrain horses for people, I give some lessons, and I also have bought quite a few, unfortunately, but it's because I keep falling in love with them, which I have to start and sell. So it's quite a wide-ranging um job that I have, but I feel pretty yeah. lucky, pretty lucky to be able to do what I do.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I know um from coming over to your place, you tend to do get your foundations going in the round pen and then you are super lucky to have access to some beautiful bush and yeah. um so you get them going out in the bush quite quickly, don't
0: you? Yeah, so I do all the safety parts, so I make sure that I've got really good brakes, good steering, and that the horse is not going to freak out about things on them. You know, like I often do quite a lot of flag stuff, quite a lot of stuff with things like tarps and things like plastic bags and lots of things that, you know, that are quite high um, – and create quite high anxiety in a horse and I make sure that they're happy as with all those things and then I just ride out I just walk to the bush and then I get on in the bush and that's our first ride we go up this pretty steep track and it's pretty close in bush which is great because the only way to go is forward and up and <laughs> it's got all sorts of stuff that touches all down their sides at the same time and by the time we come out the top of the hill everybody's happy
1: yeah, awesome. It was quite interesting. Oh, <laughs> shall I carry on talking or shall should- yes. <laughs> I Sorry. <laughs> um, it was quite interesting. I took Poe over to your place. That was um the one that led me to the clicker training, and he had a massive fear of seeing things sort of down low um and touching along his legs and sides and I'd done a lot of work with him trying to overcome that worry and we'd made progress but it was taking a long time and that was through using like objects like pool noodles and um oh we had a cowboy car wash and all of those sort of um, Man made things that you have to use. And um, just from going up that bush track by the end of it, it was like uh, his um, fear of things down low had totally been solved. And I remember we got to the top of the track and there was a branch that was sort of covering the whole track. And I think you went through it first and it like. Went around your horse's legs and then it swung back and hit hit, hit into his legs and brushed past yep. all his legs. And I just like remember thinking, <laughs> 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 Whew. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still alive. But I couldn't have created that whole process um with man-made things I think it would have taken me a lot longer to achieve that same outcome that we'd been able to achieve in that one ride
0: yeah and I think because because they're working hard like the the footing is a bit slippery and it's a pretty long uphill climb they get to move their feet and let out the anxiety and you, like really work hard and let all that anxiety out at the same time as all the scary stuff is happening. So I think yeah. I I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I think that because they're working so hard, they just get through it. They just they can let all the worry out, and it, it, it's not still in there when you get to the top. They've kind of worked their way through it in their own head. You don't have to do anything to them. 'Cause it's all just mm. happening and they get to walk and puff and yeah. It's a it's just I am really lucky to have that track. It is good.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's I was kind of like um thinking over it like, oh, is this flooding? Um but then like you say, I mean that if they were in the wild or if they were having to navigate that on their own, they would work through it. Like you say, they'd work through it anyway and I think like you say the fact that they're moving their feet um, they're working their bodies I don't think it I don't think it is flooding them because we're not really interfering with the process
0: yeah well I mean I've taken some very very sensitive horses up there I've taken some horses that have had some very bad experiences with a lot of things and every single one has come out better every mm. single one mm-hmm. so, um, it seems to work. It seems to work, and until I find that it doesn't work for for some horse, that's <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> will be one that it doesn't work for, and I'll have to think of something else. But
1: but yeah, and it might even be just that you have a different starting place for that horse, or it needs a little bit more of something else before it's ready for that.
0: Yeah, and I think that that probably is the key to it, Ellie is what you were saying about Poe is that you had done a lot of foundational stuff with him before that. It's not like yeah. we drag them in, chuck the saddle on, you know, mm-hmm. and just wipe them out. Um, There's a lot of preparation that goes in before that track. So yeah. they actually do have the tools to deal with the fact that that's happening. It's not, it's not just a kind of chuck them in the deep end kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so Very I'm, cool. yeah. I'm always trying to make sure that I've got that foundational stuff before I go up there. It's not, it's not, I mean, it does help, there's no doubt about that, but it doesn't take the place of good foundations because that's the most important thing always. Mm. Yeah.
1: So, what is one of your latest learnings that you've had? Ooh or maybe it wasn't that you'd learned something new but perhaps been
0: reminded always probably my learning that i keep continually having that keeps coming up for me is to be more subtle like that's that seems to be a real recurring theme for me. And I'm already the kind of trainer that is not pushy at all. Like I don't believe in scaring horses into doing things or forcing myself on them um, because Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that horses will do what you want if you ask them in a way that they understand, you know. And if you give them Mm -hmm. enough time, they'll do it. You don't normally have to push their buttons too hard. But I think the more, and it's every single horse that comes, I notice something new that's a little bit more subtle than the last time I did a horse, you know. Um, and that's that's the biggest learning for me, is to continually refine that. Notice more, do less, notice more, do less, notice more, do less. That's kind of, I think that all the time, mm. all the time. And anytime I come across a little stumbling block or I think this horse is having difficulty with this, I think to myself, what am I I not noticing? You know, Mm. what am I doing that's too loud in brackets, too loud for this horse, you know? Because usually that's what it is. Even the ones that come across and people say, oh, it's really bulshy and it's pushy and it's this and that, almost always it seems to me that it's a defensive mechanism. It's not. Yeah. It's it's not yeah. pushy usually. It's just it's misunderstanding.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I think that um, I think that they either live in a probably just the same as humans as well. It's kind of like either in a state of fear or calm and being and present and um like what one like you say like a bolshy horse doesn't isn't a naughty horse or anything that's no different than the horse that's run um 100 meters in the opposite
0: direction absolutely yeah. and oftentimes horses that are a little bit I guess the word is stoic or or mm. horses that you know you ask them to do something can they'll stand there and put their ears back and swish their tail at you it's very easy to fight fire with fire. It's very easy to go in your head to yourself. You kind of think, oh, don't you do that to me? Move when I mm-hmm. ask. You know, but if yeah. we had a horse that looked so scared and was trying to run and run and run, we wouldn't act like that. And often it's exactly the same emotion. It's just expressed very differently. And I think that's my learning. That's my biggest learning.
1: Yeah, um, was really interesting recently. Um, I was in a position where there was um, something that was kind of scary happening and um, there was myself and two other people there. And what really intrigued me is that my nature in that moment, I ran in the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> And one of the other people that was there ran towards them. And how interesting is that? Wow. <laughs> and I don't think either of us were being brave. We were just responding or
0: reacting in fear. Absolutely. That's, that's a perfect <laughs> example Exactly the same feeling and completely different responses.
1: Yep. <laughs> wow. so, so that was pretty interesting. That's a very good story. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one thing I want, and it may be the same as what we've just um, talked about, mm-hmm. but I really love, I'm stealing this from Tim Ferriss' um, podcast. He asks, if you could have a billboard and have anything on it, what would you have on there? <laughs>
0: Hmm. Let the horse be the critic. That's what I would put on it.
1: That's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. Because people will tell you and do and say all sorts of things, but the horse will always tell you the truth.
1: Yeah. 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 Here's my billboard. I like it. <laughs> I think you might just get famous with that, billboard oh, <laughs> Waddy. <What I'm- laughs> I can just see it now
0: <laughs> Sweet. It's the beginning of my fame. now <laughs> 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 that's awesome well
1: thank you so much for coming on tonight and I'm excited to, to share this with everyone and um, learn from you and our chats I'm pretty sure we could go on and on and on but we'd better not this time but I'd love to have you back oh that'd
0: be so great anytime
1: And we may maybe even um, we'll put it out there. If anyone's got any questions for you, um, then perhaps in our next episode we could answer those questions. That would be magical. Cool. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you
0: very much, Ellie.
1: (laughs) Bye. Bye.